to Unshaken. I'm your host, Julie Van Warmer, and this is a podcast of the Women of the Word Ministry of Christ the Word Church, just outside of Toledo, Ohio. This week I learned that some of you listening are listening all the way in places like Spain and South Africa and the United Kingdom and Japan. Wow, that's crazy. I had no idea, but I'm so excited that you're joining us. Hey, take a minute and send me a note through our email. Okay, it's unshakenpsalm622 at gmail.com, and that's unshaken psalm are all spelled out for you. So you can find it in our show notes. Um, I'd love to hear from you wherever you are. Let me know what you think of our podcast. Give me some suggestions about things you might want to talk about. Or maybe tell me about an episode that really impacted you. I love to hear these stories. I've heard a few from those of the listeners that I personally know, but I would love to hear from anyone about what you think about the Unshaken podcast. Okay, so today we're continuing in a second part of a two-part series called Astonishing Friendships. Now, last week, Wendy Folk spoke all about the importance of our vertical relationship. Now, that's our relationship with God and the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And she talked about how we have to start there before we can jump out into any other type of relationship. Today, she's going to spend this time as we listen to her talk she gave back in 2017 at the Regarding Him Women's Conference that happens yearly at Christ the Word Church. She's going to tell us a little bit about how we can best deal and figure out how to live with our horizontal relationships. So I'm talking all those people in our lives that we work with, that we live with, that we go to school with, all those types of people. But before I do that, I have a little commercial break. Okay, not really. We don't have any ads on this podcast at all. This is a completely volunteer podcast. But if I was going to give you one, I might give you a commercial for some type of identity theft product. Because, wow, there's some crazy stories about identity theft out there. Did you hear about the juror? Okay, so while serving on a jury and hearing a case that was centered all around identity theft, it was credit card theft and impersonation, a woman decided she'd pick up a few tips and she stole one of the other jurors' wallets. This is not a joke. This really happened. Okay, this was in the news. And she stole the other jurors' credit card and on her lunch breaks, she would go shopping. And interestingly enough, the woman who had her wallet stolen began to notice on her uh, on her bank statement a lot of charges that were not things she bought, and she noticed this other juror coming in with the same packages. Well, pretty soon, through a series of investigation, they figured it out, and the woman was actually arrested in the middle of the trial. Now, you may think, why are you bringing this up? But let me tell you what, today, you're going to get to hear about a different kind of identity theft. Not that kind, although I certainly think we need to be cautious, right? But we're going to hear about a different type of identity theft and how you and I need to think about this and how it relates in our friendships. Let's jump in and listen to Astonishing Friendships Part 2. 
who are you? In the 1970s, there's a strange movement that began to gather steam. Many women, whether they be celebrities in Hollywood or just women in our own neighborhoods, were divorcing their husbands and leaving their families to go find themselves. Well, I was a little girl during this time, and I was so confused by, by what they were doing, by what that meant. What would it mean to have to go find yourself? How do you lose yourself? And, and if you lost yourself, where would you go looking for, for yourself, right? So I was, I was completely confused. But um, I never really got my answer um, how, how they um, found themselves or, or if they ever did. Um, but as I got older, I realized that these women were having identity crises. And these identity crises caused them to not know who they were. And because of that, they left and lost precious relationships in their lives. There is a real connection between knowing our identity and how we relate to others. The fact that I am Dave's wife means that I relate to my husband differently than I relate to your husband's. And the fact that I am Alex and Reese and Tate and Bryn's mom means that I relate to them differently than I relate to your children. Our identities affect our relationships. And because this is true, we need to know who we are. What is your true identity? Well, as with everything else in life, God gives us his answer in his word. A holy God. But God made us and he loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to take our punishment for that sin. Jesus took our place on the cross and there he took our sin and God's wrath against that sin. Now because Jesus lived a completely obedient life as a man, he was perfect. He obeyed the law without any fault, God's commandments perfectly. He was righteous. And when he died in our place on the cross, he took our sin and he gave us his righteousness. Do you believe this? If you do, he did this for you. He died for you. And this righteousness that he gives us is what you must remember when it comes to knowing your identity in Jesus. So where is our true identity? It is in Jesus. When God looks at you now, he sees you covered in Jesus' righteousness. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So because of Jesus' death and resurrection, this is now your identity. You are forgiven and cleansed from all unrighteousness. And you are called a child of God. Now you are accepted. And you are a part of the body of Christ. 
You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, God's special possession. And because of what Jesus has done, you are now presented as holy and blameless and above reproach in the sight of God. This is who you are. This is your identity in Jesus. But you must stay put in him or abide in him. Because if you walk away from him, you won't be identified in this way any longer. We must abide in him because this is none of our work. This is 100% Jesus. So abide because your identity comes from him. And there's the connection between this morning and this afternoon. Abiding in Jesus helps us to better understand our true identity in Jesus. Now, I really want you to understand this part of the gospel so that you will know your identity in Jesus, because this is what will help you to totally relate to God and to other people. When we're confident of who we are in Jesus, then when we're with our friends, we can be open with them and not full of jealousy or insecurities. Our friendships can become stronger as we work through conflicts and struggles. Knowing who Jesus has made us to be will cause our friendships to be more genuine and full of joy. But it's one thing to know who you are in Jesus, and it is a totally different thing to live that out in our relationships. How can we translate this truth to real life? Well, let's play a game of hide-and-seek. And we are going to look at Colossians 3. And I would like for you to look for where we are to hide and find what we are to seek. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Where are we supposed to hide? That's right. This passage tells us that if we call Jesus Lord and Savior, then we have died and we've been hidden with Christ in God. This describes a magnificent work. When the Holy Spirit changes our hearts, he makes us new creations in Christ. Our old nature dies and we become born again, but not to be the same old, same old but to be new creations, to walk out in a newness of life. My old Wendy was crucified, and it's no longer she that lives, but Christ who lives in me. This is hiding in Jesus. He is seen. It is his work that is emphasized, not ours. Our old sin nature is covered by his perfect righteousness. My old sin nature is hidden. So if we are hiding in Jesus, 
Then he gives us a security so that I can let him be front and center. And I can love him and others. And I can get my needs met through him instead of through my friends. We must hide in Jesus because our true identity comes from Jesus. So ladies, where do we hide? And what are we to seek? Well, we are to seek those things that are above, where Christ is sitting in heaven next to God. We need to have our focus on eternal things, not the here and now only. If we live in the here and now, then we are going to respond in the heat of the moment out of our flesh. But if we think eternally, we're going to have a long-range view. And we're going to think on things that honor Christ, not on those things that feed our flesh. So practically speaking, what do you think it's going to look like for you to hide yourself in Jesus? I want you to just imagine that for a moment. What will that look like? When I was sharing um, this topic with a friend of mine, she said, you know, I think it would look like, I think hiding with Jesus would look like, you know, just wrapping up in a snuggie blanket. I thought maybe it was more like those morph suits that you've seen, you know, where you're completely hidden. But I'll tell you what hiding in Jesus will not look like. You know the health fad of trying to, like, um, disguise vegetables by putting them in, like, really yummy desserts? <laughs> My husband and I have been trying to eat really healthy, and I love mashed potatoes. And my friends told me, oh, don't worry, you can, you can still lose weight and, and eat healthy, and just mash cauliflower instead. It's the same. No, it is not. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how you will have to imagine hiding yourself in Jesus, but this is what I know it will look like. It will be all Jesus who is seen and heard and smell and felt, and it's not going to be me and my out-of-control emotions, my sin, and my flesh. If I'm hiding myself in Jesus, I'm going to love what he loves, and I'm going to be looking to put others before myself. If there are problems in a friendship, like a friend hurts my feelings, then hiding myself in Jesus might look like a multitude of, uh, it might look like love covering a multitude of sins. It might mean that I'm thinking the best about my friend. Hiding myself in Jesus will help me show love and forgiveness because I'll remember how I've been forgiven for countless sins. I will know and I will live out this amazing grace and mercy that he has had on me, a sinner. As I respond to a friend who has hurt me, he will be seen, not me. But if I'm not hiding in Jesus, when a friend hurts my feelings, I'm going to lash out in anger. I'm going to be offended. And I'll probably end up losing that friendship eventually. And if I'm pseudo-hiding in Jesus, you know, the whole veggie in the dessert thing, um, I might quietly nurse a grudge until it turns into a root of bitterness. 
Or I might get all passive aggressive, which really it's a dolled up way of saying that I'm just going to be manipulative and hateful. Ladies, pseudo hiding is just as sinful as letting it all hang out. Remember your true identity in Jesus and hide in Jesus so that he will be seen in your friendships. Don't be tempted to focus on yourself, on your hurts, or on your frustrations. I'd like to share an example with you, um, and I think you might be able to relate as well. Have you ever had a friendship where um, things started changing? Maybe you felt like they just didn't want to be with you anymore. Maybe you were kind of feeling like you were irritating them. Well, I was in this situation, and my friend got to hear all about my feelings. And after about the millionth time of hearing my feelings, she finally said to me, You know, Wendy, you are not generally a needy person, but you have made this situation all about you. And it's not all about you. She said some hard things, but I needed to hear them. And so I prayed and asked that God would show me what it meant to live out in this relationship that was struggling, but yet remembering that it wasn't all about me. So God started to show me that I needed to grasp that I wasn't the only one in this relationship. It wasn't one-sided. It wasn't just my issue. There was sin in both parties. There always is. Because we are all sinners. This was more than just about me. God was at work in a much deeper way, and I needed to trust him in that process. We must know our identity in Jesus, though, because if we know our identity in Jesus, we can be on guard from identity theft. When we're in situations like that, identity theft can happen. Now, I'm sure that you all are aware of identity theft, but I'm not talking about having our driver's license stolen or social security card or credit card. If the devil can talk you into believing lies about who you are, then he can succeed in stealing your identity. If he can distract you into focusing more on yourself than on other people, then he can destroy one relationship after another. Our marriages, our families, our churches, and our friendships. Yes, I was having a major friendship issue, but I needed to take back the identity that the devil was trying to steal from me. He was trying to make me believe that I was a bad person, but the truth was that I was God's chosen daughter. The devil made sure to whisper that I was a complete failure. But Jesus reminded me that I am perfect because of his perfection. And even though I was feeling condemned, the truth is that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So as I hid myself in Jesus, then... I could begin responding to my friend with a security and confidence, not a neediness. 
as I stopped listening to the, to the identities that the devil was trying to convince me of, and I replaced those lies with the truth of who I was in Jesus, then I could rightly fight my sin and have victory over it. I began to respond to my friendship problem with peace instead of with fear and with hope instead of despair and with love instead of hatred. But I have to tell you that we must do this every stinking day. Because even though I saw victory in this situation, I still battle every single day. Every time I feel hurt, how am I going to respond? Am I going to feed my hurts? Am I going to feed my flesh? Or am I going to hide in Jesus? If I want to grow in my friendship with Jesus and with other people, I must hide and abide over and over. Now, I know I'm not alone in needing to hide in Jesus to fight back against identity theft. We all need to make him bigger and put the spotlight on him. As I talk with women and I know my own weaknesses, I want to warn you right now about three of the most common ways that women forget our identity in Jesus and we become vulnerable to Satan's identity theft. Those three ways are when we are people pleasers, when we are proud, and when we are in self-protection mode. When we forget our identity in Jesus, we often feel like we need to be someone else. And can you imagine if an attacker stole your ID and then hurt you in a way that resulted in amnesia? When you awoke from the assault, you would have no idea who you were. And this is how we act in our friendships when we're people pleasers. If a friend is upset with us, we people pleasers try to fix the problem by making appeals and changing ourselves, doing whatever it takes to avoid conflict and be accepted. I have a friend who I really want to please. She is good at so many things. She's just really industrious and self-sufficient, and she doesn't seem to need me for anything. Well, the enemy can steal my identity when he convinces me that my friend expects nothing less of me, that I must be super industrious and I must be um, completely self-sufficient or there's something wrong with me. I must clean the house like she does. I must read the Bible like she does. Instead of learning from my friend's strengths, I can begin to resent them. And when this happens, the enemy has succeeded in dividing my friend and me. And truth is, if he can divide my friend and me, then that can start a whole snowball of more divisions among women. And pretty soon, no one has their eyes on Jesus anymore, just on ourselves and how hurt and offended we are. When the devil persuades us to put our eyes on ourselves and to make comparisons with others, 
then there's going to be a huge storm that's going to start brewing. Most of the time, people pleasers have forgotten the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he has earned everything for us. It's his grace. People pleasers are instead all about earning acceptance from others, trying to, trying to make others happy with us by the things that we do or the things that we don't do. They forget their identity in Jesus. And they begin believing that they need to be someone else. Someone who works to earn their friend's approval. Someone who has to do this or do that to be a good friend or a good Christian woman. But when we take our insecurities and our desires to be liked and our fears of being accepted and we hide them in Jesus, then we can honestly bless our friends and not be focused on ourselves. Our friendships will become more genuine and we will be filled with more peace. Stop identity theft. Be a God pleaser not a people pleaser. So we can lose our identities when we are people pleasers. A second way that we can lose our, that we can be wide open to identity theft is when we give room to pride. And of course, pride can look like a lot of different things. You know, maybe, um, maybe it can be that we're concerned that others are going to overlook us or that they won't appreciate us. They won't serve us or care for our needs. Maybe it's that we refuse help from any other people. But the point is that it's all about me. When our focus is again on self, we forget our true identity. And our true identity is in who? The devil tempts us to believe that we need to toot our own horn because nobody else is going to appreciate us. Or that we're only important if we're doing certain things. Or if we're abstaining from other things. It is all about me, me, me. Not him, him, him. And nothing good comes out of friendships like these. I mean, how will it affect our marriages if we are so focused on feeling unappreciated at home? How will it affect our friendships if we reject our friends' desires to help us in our walk with Christ. When we are so focused on self, pretty soon we find ourselves becoming so easily offended by others when they overlook the things that we've done or the ways that we need to be helped or served. Again, this self-focus is the exact opposite of Jesus. He gave up everything to take on human flesh. He poured himself out to serve others rather than to be served himself. I'm thankful for friends who speak into my life, even though sometimes it's so hard to hear the truth. There are times in in ministry or in life where I can just feel unappreciated. And so when I share that with my friends, they're kind, they're compassionate, they hear what I have to say, but then they fix my eyes right back on Christ. And when I begin practice putting aside my hurts and my offenses, and I begin loving others and thanking God, especially during the difficult times, then I am hiding myself in Jesus, and he gets the glory 
Are you feeling unappreciated? Are you dwelling on how others have hurt you or overlooked maybe a husband or a child? Are you resisting others when they want to help you physically or spiritually? Do you think that you have all the answers and your way is the only right way? Well, then stop identity theft. It is all about Jesus. It's not about us. So identity theft happens when we forget who we are in Jesus. We forget that he has done all the work that has made us accepted in God's sight. And as a result, we find ourselves being people pleasers instead of God pleasers. And we become full of pride with a focus on self instead of on Jesus Christ. Now, the third way that we can have our identities stolen by the enemy is more stealth. This usually happens when we are actually trying so hard to protect ourselves. There are all sorts of reasons why we women can find ourselves in self-protection mode. Maybe you had a friendship that hurt you deeply. Or maybe you had a a trust that was betrayed. There are so many reasons why we fear being open and vulnerable with others. When we moved to Toledo, it was 10 years ago this summer, and I was just exhausted. Like I told you this morning, we moved four times in six years. So by the time we moved here, I was so tired of telling people my name and where we were from and trying to connect the dots of where all we moved. And I just didn't have the energy to even make new friends. I was, I was hurt because I had left friends and I just couldn't imagine making more friends here only to probably leave them again in a couple of years too. Well, even though I'd been like an open book in the first place, I was as closed up as a clam when we moved here. And one of my closest friends now tells me that she thought I just did not like her at all when we first moved here. And while I tell her that is not true, that's not the case, obviously my body language was showing otherwise. I was in self-protection mode, and I didn't want to open myself up to be hurt yet again by another move. At first glance, you would think people that kind of remain on the surface wouldn't really be a big hindrance to friendships. I mean, these are the people that I love in conversation because they keep the conversation going with the small talk that I can't quite figure out what to say. They ask all the questions. They make it so easy for me in conversation. But if you have these kinds of friends and they keep you at an arm's length long enough, you're going to realize soon that you don't really know who they truly are. You don't know what their fears are, what their deepest desires are, and maybe you don't even know how she's doing in her walk with Jesus. So ladies, how are we doing with opening up with one another? Is this an area that you love doing, or is this something that makes you feel very uncomfortable? What are you believing would happen if others truly knew you, if they knew your deepest desires and your greatest fears? Has the enemy lied to you and told you that you have to put up a front, 
that you have to keep people at a distance and not honestly share your heart? Or can you believe the truth of your identity in Jesus, that you are his special possession? Will you hide yourself in Jesus? If you do this, then he will completely protect you as you open yourself up and allow others to know the real you. We need to share our joys and the hard times with one another. When we tell others about the hardships that we're going through and we accept their help and we accept their prayers, then we're going to draw closer together in relationships with one another. And there's nothing like seeing God at work because you are seeing something bigger than yourself in action. But keeping closed and protected causes us to miss out on relationships as God intends them to be. And ladies, if we have walls up with one another, odds are pretty good that we have walls up with God too. As I've gotten older, I love seeing how um, God has been orchestrating details in my life. If you're maybe over 40 or over, you might be able to relate to that. Um, it's like it's like a piece of my life from the tw- from my 20s. He puts together with what's going on now in my 40s, and it's like a puzzle that he just puts together. and And I love seeing that. I see, for instance, I see why I went through that period of disobedience in my college days and how God is now using that today as I get to minister to young women who may be going through similar situations. I might understand why someone would stay with an abusive boyfriend. And I might understand why someone would be so enticed by the world and not the Lord. But because God has worked in me, I can share my hope in him. And I can share it with these women and pray that they will see that he is good and that they will believe him more than the lies of the enemy. I know that when we go through difficult times, it can seem frightening. I know how God used something good from my 20s into my now 40s. But I'm going through things now, too. And I wonder, how will God use this for good? And I trust that in my 50s and in my 60s, I'll look back and I'll see those pieces of the puzzle being put together. God uses times that are difficult to draw us closer to him so that we can see that he is good. These are the kinds of times that stretch us beyond what is comfortable and safe. And God wants all of us. He does not want just the surface. He will put circumstances in our lives to make this happen if we are his own. As fearful as that may seem, it's actually very kind and loving that our Heavenly Father would want to know us so intimately and have us know him so intimately. And I think most of us could imagine this, whether you're mothers or not. Parents want to know their children's hearts. We're not typically content with just the surface only. And neither is God with us. We don't have to be afraid 
of being open and exposed. In God, we put our trust. What can man do to me? So stop identity theft. Don't go into self-protection mode. Hide yourself in Jesus because he is your greatest protector. So ladies, let's prevent identity theft by remembering my warnings. Be a God pleaser, not a people pleaser. Drop your pride because it's all about God, not us. And instead of protecting yourself from hurt, hide yourself in Jesus because he is your greatest protector. All right, so let me just drive this point home. Who are we abiding in? And our true identity is in Jesus. And who do we hide ourselves in? In Jesus. In Jesus is the key. We can do nothing apart from him. We are completely dependent upon Jesus for everything, including our friendship with him and with one another. So in a way, we kind of do need to follow those women from the 1970s. You know, when they left everything to go find themselves? Except the difference is, is that we need to leave everything that is focused on self and go discover who we are in Jesus. Because knowing who we are in Jesus and basing all of our friendships with one another upon him is the answer to our identity crises. I am so glad that you were able to be here today at Regarding Him. Um, I know that you have heard a lot from me and from your breakout speakers, but I am most concerned with what you have heard from God. As you leave here today, and as you process through everything that you've heard, I want to ask you to pray and hear how God wants you to apply his word to your friendships. How will you hide and abide in Jesus? What will that look like for you? When you do this, your friendship with him grows. And your friendships with others will become astonishing. Listen to what the Lord urges you to take away from today. And be obedient in that. What is God saying to you today? You know, this talk was given back in 2017, but the principles in this talk are so good for you and I to think about today. So remember, the key is, are you living in Jesus? Are you abiding in Jesus? These principles will affect our relationships. They will impact all of our relationships and specifically our girl friendships, right? The friendships we have with our good friends that we like to just hang out with and go to coffee with. But they will impact all of our lives if we follow those three simple things that Wendy shared with us. Number one, be a God pleaser, not a people pleaser. Number two, drop pride. Instead, pick up pleasing God and glorifying God in our lives. And number three, hide in Jesus 
He is our protector instead of us being in self-protection mode. You know, um, these are great things. It's interesting. I thought this talk was going to be more about how to build friendships, but it's really more about how I need to change so that I am a better friend to other people, so that I look at others around me. And that's really finding my identity in Jesus Christ. Hey, let me pray for you today. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are our protector, that you are who we can abide in every day. Help us, Lord, today, this week, this month, to abide in you, Lord. Give us direction. I pray that our your Holy Spirit will come into each woman listening and will guide us through each day that we will honor you with how we speak, how we act, and with what we think. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress, because of God. Until next time.